I'm believing for a supernatural 2019. I'm believing for the supernatural to be manifested. See, we serve a supernatural God who gave us a supernatural word who only does supernatural things. If God does it, it's supernatural. If you do it, it's natural. But if God does it, it's supernatural every time. Now, what I want to show you from today's message is how to see the supernatural. And and how many of you want to see the supernatural this year? I'm talking about God opening doors nobody could open. I'm talking about God breaking strongholds no human could break. I'm talking about the chains being snapped. I'm talking about people being set free. I'm talking about salvations everywhere. I'm talking about supernatural. Supernatural provision. Supernatural power. Supernatural strength. The supernatural. I want there to be Sundays when we go home unable to speak because of what we saw. Come on. So once again, how many of you want to see the supernatural? Come on. Give me an amen. All right, then I want to talk to you today about the real thing. I'm going to call this the real thing. So let's look at 2 Chronicles, and I'm going to read from two different places in 2 Chronicles, starting at chapter 9 and then moving to chapter 12. I'm going to read two verses and then three verses. Now listen carefully. In 2 Chronicles 9, 15, here we come to King Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels, and I did the math, that's $100,000 per shield. I'll take one of them. Of hammered gold, $100,000 went into one shield of hammered gold. Then he also made 300 small shields of hammered gold. You do the math, that's 50,000 apiece. The king put them in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Now jumping to chapter 12, let's look at what happened to those shields. When Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem, He carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything, and watch this now, including the gold shields Solomon had made. He took them. So King Rehoboam, because now we're not dealing with Solomon, we're dealing with Rehoboam, his son. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them. And assigned these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance of the royal palace. And whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, so whenever the king went to worship, Solomon or Rehoboam, whenever they went to worship, it says the guards went with him, holding up those beautiful golden shields glistening in the sun. And afterward, they returned them to the guard room. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this word today. Lord, we're looking at a new year. Lord, we want to begin the new year by faith and not by sight. We want to begin it with the supernatural and not the natural. We want to begin it with vision and not blindness. We want, Lord, a divine goal, a divine target, a divine motivation, a divine destiny. So, Lord, I'm asking you to speak to our hearts today, irrefutably, undeniably, give us vision. 
Give us vision for the new year, spiritual vision. Give us spiritual eyes so that we may see what God wants to do through us and in us and by us. In the name of Jesus, would you pray and just say, Lord, speak to my heart today. I want vision for the new year. Help me to walk by faith and seize what God has for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you've got it, you've got it, you've got it. All right, now let me give you a little bit of Bible history here, uh, just a little bit. At the height of Solomon's reign as king of Israel, God had blessed him in all things. There, there wasn't any area where Solomon was not greatly blessed. The Bible records that a quarter of a billion, I didn't say million, I said a billion, a quarter of a billion dollars worth of gold each year came into his coffers from the kings of Arabia and other nations uh, from which he got tribute. A quarter of a billion dollars a year. Now, in Old Testament times, this kind of wealth was a sign of God's blessing, a sign of God's favor over his people. Whereas in New Testament times, let's be real, the sign of God's favor is more spiritual in nature. With things like peace, joy, love, victory over Satan, salvation, and so on. Things money can't buy. Under our new covenant... Faith is not measured by material things. If it were measured by material things, then how are the wicked so wealthy and so many of the righteous not so much? No, God blesses people in the new covenant primarily with spiritual blessings, spiritual riches, like spiritual victory, maturity, Christ-likeness. Those are the riches that money can't buy. But in the Old Testament, God showed his favor Uh, to Israel by physical things that are illustrations for us. Things like victory over their enemies, real enemies, physical enemies, and material blessings like Solomon experienced. God blessed people like Solomon with material wealth because it was a testimony of God's favor over Israel, over the kingdom. So when Solomon, this is very important, when Solomon made these shields of gold that we just read about, They were testimonies. Everybody say testimonies. Like when you and I walk up to somebody and we're full of the joy of the Lord, and that's a testimony. Their testimony, they had the testimony of God having blessed them with material wealth like this. So it was a, they were, these golden shields were testimonies of God's presence over Israel. Now I did the math. Let me show you just how much God blessed. As I already read, each large shield was worth 100,000. Each smaller shield was worth 50000 So if you added together all those shields, and I did, the, the large shields came to $20 million worth. The small shields, $15 million worth. So just with these golden shields, it was $35 million worth of shields. It's a lot of money. And the Bible says that, God, that Solomon placed these golden shields in the palace where he lived, so that when he went to the temple to worship God, or when he came out of his house to go anywhere, his bodyguards and his soldiers would grab these shields and line up in a row on either side of him, and he would walk down the middle, and they would hold these golden shields up as testimonies of the favor and the blessing of God on Israel. 
So people will look and go, wow, look at that. Look how God has blessed Israel. Look at those golden shields. $35 million were just shields. There was so much money in Solomon's day that they said silver was worth nothing. It wasn't any big deal. Silver was throwaway stuff because there was so much gold. Wow. I'll take the silver and I'll take one of those shields. Amen. Now, with that in mind, Solomon died and his son Rehoboam took his place. And Rehoboam, the Bible tells us, did not walk with God. Here's what the Bible says about him. He forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. Now notice with me, when they left the word of God, they drifted. That's why I always tell you, get in the word every day. There's not a day you can't get in the Word. If you go on vacation, there's no vacation from God. Take the Bible with you and stay in the Word. Because the the Word will keep you connected. It'll keep you tight with God. Because every day the Word talks to you at your daily manna. And that's another message. But my, my only point is this. That when Rehoboam forsook the law or the Word of God, he drifted and he took all of Israel with him. Look what's happened to America. We forsook the word of the Lord, and now the entire nation has drifted. That's another message. And when he did, God looked at it, and God said, all right, I'm going to have to chasten Israel. So God turned them over to an enemy, and the enemy's name was Shishak, and Shishak was the king of Egypt. And one day, Shishak, with his great Egyptian army, invaded Jerusalem. And I want you to notice what happened. Shishak and the army went straight for the house of God. Straight for the house of God. They went straight for the temple of the Lord. And what did they go after? They went straight for those golden shields. What does that mean? That means they went straight for the testimony of God over Israel. They went straight for the testimony. Straight for the evidence. Straight for one of the signs of God's favor, and they stole it away. He went for Israel's testimony of God's presence and God's favor. And in this way, Shishak is a type of Satan who is always out to rob God's people of their blessing and their testimony. What does the devil want from you? He wants to take the blessing of God off your life, and he wants to ruin your testimony. Amen. So Shishak invaded Here stands Rehoboam. He's watching all this happen. He watches the Egyptian soldiers go into the temple, into the house of God, grab the shields, grab everything that represented God, and they stole it away. Now, I want you to notice Rehoboam's response. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields, that's brass, to replace them. Now, rather than gather his army in righteous anger, and marshal them to attack the Egyptian army and get back what they stole? That wasn't Rehoboam's heart at all. He decided to deceive the people and save face. And so he built brass shields. He had brass shields hammered out. Brass looks like gold, shines like gold. The only problem is you've got to keep it polished with the work of the flesh. Anything that is not of God, you've got to keep it going by the work of the flesh. If it's from the flesh, you've got to keep it going by the work of the flesh. If it's from the Spirit, God keeps it going. Amen? Now, now so they, they, he, he had these brass shields made. So what was he about? Rehoboam was all about appearances over authenticity. He cared more about how things looked than how things really were. 
He cared more about perception than truth. Ooh. That's when you're trying to look good and on the inside you're not so good. That's when you're trying to give an impression that it's not true. It's not real. People come up to you in church and say, How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, brother. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm blessed and highly favored. And you go home and you're half dying at home. Your marriage is falling apart. You've got all kinds of bills to pay. But you're lying in church about how you are. You say, well, shouldn't I give a good confession? Yeah, to a point. But I also believe in being truthful. Pray for me. But we, but, but we, put, up, we put up appearances all the time. Rehoboam did it in a major way. He, here's this. He, he has been gutted by the enemy. And so instead of chasing the enemy down and getting it back, he decides to put on a show. He had no righteous anger that an enemy had invaded and stolen away God's blessing. How many of you have ever had the devil swoop into your life and steal something from you and you got so mad in the name of Jesus, you said, I'm getting it back and you got it back and then some. Come on, everybody. If the devil steals from me, I want to get it back in the name of Jesus. I want to get it out of his gruffy hands. I want to get it back in my own life. If the devil comes and tries to steal from me, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, devil, you did a good job. Have a great day. I'll let you have it. No, I'm going to do what David did. When, when David, that's, and that was Rehoboam's granddaddy. When David was robbed by the Amalekites in the city of Ziklag, he got on his face and he said, God, should I go after them? And God said, go after them. And he said, well, I get everything back. And God said, you will recover all. And that's all that David needed to hear. He marshaled his army. They chased after the Amalekites. They whooped them and they got everything back. The Bible says David recovered all. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be a David and not a Rehoboam. I don't want to give a fake idea of something that I'm not. But if the devil steals from me, I want to go get it back and recover all. Come on, everybody. But Rehoboam had no desire to recover anything. He only cared about the perception. He cared about what people thought. He cared about how he looked to his army, and he cared about how he looked to the people. That was the main thing. And so he was willing to pull a scam. He was willing to to go fake on them. He only wanted to preserve his reputation by putting up a fake display of brass shields that looked like the real thing, but they were in reality a phony substitute. And I find it very interesting that it says after these brass shields were held up and they were, and they were making the people think they were gold, after they were held up, they went and they locked them away in a room. In other words, we don't want anybody finding out the truth. We don't want anybody really finding out that we used to have gold, but now we've got brass. We used to have the real thing, but now we're dealing with fake. No, we don't want anybody to know that. Now, folks, I'm going somewhere with this. I think you might already have an understanding of where I'm going. See, in the story, in, in this story, the golden shields, let me read a verse to you. Here's where I'm going with this whole message. The Bible says that all these things happen to them, the them being Old Testament characters, as examples, as object lessons to us, to warn us against doing the same thing. They were written down so that we could read about them and learn from them in these last days as the world nears its end. So this story of Rehoboam and the brass shields and losing the real thing, the gold, 
has been put there by the Holy Ghost for us to read and apply to our own lives in the new covenant. So what do those golden shields that, that Solomon made represent? I really do believe they represent the gifts and the blessings that God has given to the church. The golden shields. Let me name a few. Salvation. How many of you are thankful for salvation? How about the Holy Spirit? You're thankful for the Holy Spirit? What about the anointing and the power of God? Come on, everybody. That's a golden shield in the house of God. What about the word of God? Do you, do you love the word of God? That's a golden shield in the house of God. How about praise and worship? Don't you love praise and worship? Do you know that that's been given to people in the new covenant? Praise and worship. Jesus said, my father is searching for those who will worship him in spirit and truth. And now it has come to pass after Pentecost that the church is the true worshiper of God. How about the fellowship of the saints? Don't you love the fellowship of the saints? Getting with some of God's people, and after you leave, you feel better than before you got there, and you're, you're lifted up, and you're edified. What about the power of prayer? Isn't that a golden shield in the house of God? And let me give you the most valuable shield of all, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, while Solomon's shields were worth $35 million, the things that I just listed to you can't, and you can't put a price tag on them. There's no money that can buy them. They are more valuable than gold. They are more, they're greater riches than silver. They are, they are things that money could never buy. Only the blood of Jesus bought them for you and me. They are shields in the house of God. Now, having read about these shields, how many of you know the devil wants to steal them away? If he went after the shields, here, here's where we see truth in the Old Testament to apply to the New Testament life, he went for the testimony. He went for the shields that God had given Israel. And so the devil, in our time, goes for the shields God has given to the house of God. Amen. And the brass shields that, that Rehoboam made to replace the gold, to put on a show, the phony things that they accepted as a cheap trade-off are an example of what Modern-day Christians and churches often do as a cheap trade-off. We trade gold for brass. I don't know about you, but I want every gold shield God has given the church. I don't want to lose one of the gold shields. I don't want any brass in the house of God. It looks right, it seems right, it feels right, but it's not real. I don't want anything phony or fake or unauthentic. I want the real thing in the house of God. Come on, everybody. Let me just show you an example of brass for gold and some of the trade-offs that we often make. How about the brass of empty religion over the gold of real relationship with God through Jesus Christ? How about the brass of showmanship over the gold of true anointing? Come on, everybody. How about the brass of human effort over the gold of prevailing prayer. Amen? How about the brass of compromise over the gold of total commitment? Do you see how we settle for? Do you see how we often trade brass for gold? And I'm here to preach brass out of here today. And I'm here to preach brass out of 2019. I want the real thing in 2019. I want gold in 2019. I want the rich blessing of God in 2019. 
See, brass gets in the church. Brass gets in when the church is more concerned with big buildings and bulging bank accounts than the moving of the Holy Spirit. Brass gets in when we're more concerned with the world's approval than God's smile. That's when brass gets in. Oh, I won't talk about the Word of God. I won't talk about Jesus that much. I'm going to kind of tone things down so that I can get the smile of the world. I don't want the smile of the world. I want the smile of God. I perform for an audience of one. I don't perform for the world. But, but if you're not careful, if you're concerned about what the world thinks and says, you will take brass for gold. You'll make that trade. Paul the Apostle said that in the last days there would be people in churches, people and churches, that will, quote, act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. That's Rehoboam. They will act religious. The power Paul talks about here is the, is the golden shield of the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. These churches, says Paul, will be just like Rehoboam was. They will have a form of godliness, a form. See, he had a form. He didn't have the real thing. It was a form. It was a show. But it wasn't the real thing. They'll have a form of godliness, but behind the form is nothing. It's a show. They're empty suits. It's not real. They're putting on a show. Not me. Life's too short. Life is short and then you die. And you live once. You're not coming back as a caterpillar or a cricket or a cow or a bird or whatever you think you would like to come back as. You're not ever coming back again. Once you die, that's it. After that, the judgment. We get one life to live as the soap opera was called. (laughs) One life to live. So I don't want to be young and restless. (laughs) I want all my children walking with God. Come on, everybody. (laughs) I do all kinds of things to get your attention. But see, I don't don't want to trade gold for brass. But Paul said in the last days, there's going to be churches and people who are going to have a show. They're going to be putting on a show. And these churches, says Paul, they're just like Rehoboam. Rehoboam was putting on a show. He didn't care about the real thing. He only cared about what people thought. So it's no secret. Is it really, come on, that many churches and even whole denominations have done just what Rehoboam did in these last days? In order to be accepted by the world, I could name whole denominations, I won't, but I could name them. They have caved into what the world places its approval on. And like Rehoboam, they have forsaken the word of the Lord. And as a result, the devil has stolen the real thing from them. There's no anointing of power or presence of God or moving of the Holy Spirit or testimony of Jesus in their services. There's just show. And Jesus says in Revelation about the church at Sardis, you have a reputation for being alive. But you're dead. People say, oh yeah, that church of Sardis, they're really cooking. But Jesus said, I know that you're dead. And so I believe God's word of turning point for 2019 is this. And I want you to say it with me. Hang on to the gold. Come on, let's say it together. Hang on to the gold. Personally and corporately, let's say it together. Hang on to the gold. How many of you want to hang on to the real thing? Come on, everyone. I'm not going to trade gold for brass. 
So, I believe God's word, the turning point, in light of hanging on to the gold, is to hang on to at least three golden shields. Now, I could go into more, but time won't let me. But three golden shields that came to me in prayer that I feel are, are, are absolutely irreplaceable. We, 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 if we lose one or more of these, then we're going to be trading gold for brass. And we're not going to accomplish what God wants us to. And you know, we won't see the supernatural. But this is how we're going to see the supernatural. In your life and in the life of our church. So here's the first one. The testimony of Jesus. Everybody say with me, the testimony of Jesus. Now you might think that rather strange for me to say because we're a church. But do you know how many churches no longer talk about Jesus? I could tell you about some of the biggest churches in the United States of America. One in particular, I won't name any names, but one in particular, somebody decided to monitor several sermons of theirs in a row. And so they, they monitor, I forget how many sermons, and, and, and not in one of them was the name of Jesus mentioned. See, see, the devil hates the name of Jesus. Jesus says to the church at Philadelphia, In Revelations 3, verse 7, I know your works. Listen to what he brags on them about. You have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. The name of Jesus is a golden shield in the house of God. If you get rid of the name of Jesus, you're not a church anymore. You're a a club. You're, You're many different things, but you're not a church anymore if you give up on the name of Jesus. Because why are we here? Jesus. Who changed us? Jesus. Who saved you? Jesus. Who died for you? Jesus. Christianity begins with Christ. Come on, everybody. We're all about Jesus. Now, remember, they would hold up those golden shields with pride. They would hold them up where everybody could see them. And that's how we're to hold up the golden shield of the name of Jesus. Listen to Revelations 19.10. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Listen to it from the New Living Translation. The essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. See, right now I'm talking about Jesus. You know what I'm doing? I'm prophesying. Because when you tell about what Jesus has done, when you talk about the glory of who he is, when you brag on Jesus and worship Jesus and lift up Jesus and proclaim Jesus and talk about Jesus and you're all about Jesus, you're prophesying. We must never lose the golden shield of the testimony of Jesus. I want Turning Point Church to be known for, I'm going to go ahead and say, be famous for a clear witness for Jesus. Amen? I don't want our testimony to be a building or money or this or that. That's not the testimony I want. I want when somebody brings up turning point, I want them to say, oh, they, they're always talking about Jesus. Well, if you don't want to hear about Jesus, don't go there because you're going to hear about Jesus there. Because they always talk about Jesus. Listen, what the world needs right now, folks, is not a better politician. We've already got a king of kings and a lord of lords. His name is Jesus. We need a move of God, and it comes from preaching the name of Jesus. When the disciples in the early church were forbidden to preach... They weren't just forbidden to, 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 to get out there in public and say something, but they were forbidden to preach in the name. 
of Jesus. We will ever and always shout the name of Jesus, brag on his goodness, trumpet his grace, glory in his beauty, declare his salvation, worship his magnificence, and stand for his truth. We're all about Jesus. Come on, everybody. Say Jesus with me. So that's the first shield we're going to hold up for all to see. Second one, the power of prayer. Oh, that's a golden shield you can't do without. You will not see the supernatural without prayer. We can never allow the brass of fleshly human effort to replace the power of prevailing prayer. What takes a year for our own efforts to achieve, if we could ever do it at all, can be done overnight by God in answer to prayer. Let me tell you where my heart is on this. This new year, I'm going to be focused on raising up a, an army of intercessory prayers. We've already got 75 people who have signed up who say, I'm an intercessor and I want to pray with you. I want to develop it. I want to cultivate it. I want to raise it up where we have a constant barrage of prayer going into the throne room of God moving the hand of God, binding the hand of Satan, and setting the captives free. Oh, we've got to pray. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I struggle to pray. How many of you struggle to pray? How many of you just say, sometimes I just don't feel like it? You know what I've learned? When you don't feel like it, do it anyway. And within 10 minutes or so, something else kicks in. And before you know it, the supernatural power of God is carrying you in prayer. But listen to what John Wesley wrote. He said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Can I read that again? God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. He also said, prayer is where the action is. And listen to this quote by R.A. Torrey. Oh, this is so good. I could stop with this. Here's what R.A. Torrey wrote. When the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did, for he knows that his day in that church or in that community is at an end. Whoa, that's powerful. That's a, refri- that's a refrigerator sticker. That's a refrigerator sticker. That's worth printing out and taping onto your refrigerator. So everybody say the name of Jesus. The power of prayer. Two gold shields we hold up for all to see. And I close with this one. The uncompromised word. The uncompromised word. See, I want to set a turning point. If you cut them, they bleed scripture. I thought it was funnier than you acted. How many of you, how many of you know what I'm saying? If you, cut, if you poke them with a needle, they bleed scripture. Jesus told the church in Philadelphia, I know your works. And then he says, you have kept my word. Above all else, folks, we cannot afford To let go of the uncompromised word. Now, if there's an uncompromised word, there's another one, the compromised word. And and, and you know what I believe? I believe because the pulpit in in, in the West 
has compromised the word. The reason our society is down on the Bible is because they're not up on the Bible. They don't really know what it says. And this is one of the reasons God has raised up Turning Point Church. I'm telling you before God, this is one of the reasons we're here. To preach and teach the Bible without apology, compromise, watering it down, diluting it, polluting it, twisting it, or bending it to please the world. Amen. I so agree with the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. I like what he said. He said, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you got to do is let the lion out of the cage and the lion will defend itself. Amen. All you got to do is quote that word. And that word runs all on its own and roars all on its own and devours the devil all on its own. See, why should I apologize for a word that sets people free? You will know the truth, and the truth is what sets you free. Why why should I dilute or pollute or water down or marginalize the word that sets people free? No wonder Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why should I be ashamed? It's the power of God to salvation, to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Why should I be ashamed? So we're not ashamed of the word as it is declared to men as they are. It's the word that got me. How about you? When I heard the word, it grabbed me by the throat. It grabbed my heart. It convicted me down in my soul. And in the word is what led me to Christ, the Holy Ghost on, on that word. Amen? Amen. Y'all are quiet today. So say with me the testimony of Jesus, the power of prayer, and the uncompromised word. When anybody goes by this church, they're going to see those shields held up high, held up high as a testimony of God's favor and grace on us. Can we stand up together? That's how we're going to see the supernatural this year. I want you to say this with me. I believe we will have a supernatural year where God does exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or even imagine. If we will keep those shields held high. Amen. Amen. Can we lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today? Thank you, Lord, for this this beautiful illustration in the Old Testament of a New Testament truth. Lord, we want to be a David and not a Rehoboam. We want to fight for what is stolen and we want to hang tight to the gold. sense the Lord here right now. Thank you, Jesus. Now, here's what the Holy Spirit is saying to me with your heads bowed. He's saying to me that it begins with you and it begins with me personally in our private lives. Where has brass replaced gold? I had to ask myself that and I'm going to ask myself that more where have I accepted brass the cheap substitute for the real thing have I done it with relationships have I done it with how I'm handling money have I done it with compromising with some area of the flesh 
We all do it. It's so easy for we human beings to do it. But it begins with us. And I want it to begin right here in the sanctuary of God today. If you can say to yourself and to God, wow, I see that right here in my life, I allowed the real thing to go so that I can, and, and I've been, and I've accepted the brass, the, the, the cheap substitute. And Lord, I want the gold back. I want the gold back. I want the real thing back. Fellowship with God, walking with God, full of the Holy Spirit, crucifying the flesh, walking in victory. No closed, locked closet that we don't let God into. All brass goes. And when we give up the brass, God will give us back the gold. So I'm going to pray this prayer. Lord, search us. And help us, Lord, to not receive any phony substitute. Help us not to make that bad trade and lose the real thing. Because, Lord, we want to see the supernatural this year. We want to see the supernatural. So say with me, church, say, Lord Jesus, wherever I have put brass for gold, forgive me. I repent of it. I lay it down and I want the gold back. I want the gold back. I want that gold back. I want to be David and recover all in Jesus' name. Now with our heads bowed, maybe somebody here today can say, you know, Jeff, I'm not even sure if I know Jesus. You know what? Maybe you've had religion your whole life. Religion is one of the biggest the biggest fake substitutes for the real thing that there is. You got rules and regulations, but not Jesus, not real relationship with Jesus. I want to pray with you if that's you. That's okay. Hey, I'm not condemning you. I was saved in jail as a 16-year-old boy. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I love you, but I want to see you get the real thing. So I'm going to pray right now. And it, it, the real thing begins with accepting the real thing into your heart, Jesus Christ. So let's just pray together. If you need to pray, pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, come into my heart, for I turn to you by faith. Be my Savior and Lord from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen.